Hi, I'm Michael Hartman. I'm Naomi Liu. And I'm Mike Rizzo. And this is OpsCast. A podcast for marketing ops pros. And RevOps pros. Created by the MoPros, the number one community for marketing operations professionals. Tune in to each episode as we chat with real professionals to help elevate you in your marketing operations career. Hello, everyone. Welcome to OpsCast episode seven. We're getting close to that tipping point where uh, podcasts generally either continue or don't. So we're glad you can join us as you're joining us live. Uh, please feel free to jump in and join in the chat. And, and or if you feel like you want to contribute to the conversation, raise your hand through the uh, interface here and we'll, get, we'll see if we can get you on live. Uh, to join me, um, I'm joined today with uh, by Mike Rizzo, my co-host. Our, our other co-host, Naomi Lou, is not available today, um, but is uh, here with, with us in spirit. In addition, we're excited to have with us Catherine, Kat Shampoo, and I know I'm, I butchered the name, who is the uh, VP of Customer Satisfaction and Partner Alliances at Jetto slash Percuto. Um, so with that, we're ready to get started on a conversation today about Best practices, thought process, how you go about going through scaling your marketing ops uh, capabilities. So we'll, before you dive, dive into that, Catherine, Kat, welcome. And uh, please, would you just introduce yourself for the folks who are either joining us live or listening in uh, to the recording? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Kat. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm the VP of Customer Satisfaction and Partner Alliances at Percuto, namely in our technology divisions where uh, I handled all things Jetto. I have been in the marketing automation field for about seven years now, but my background is IT. So I'm in love with all things data-driven, processes-driven, and analytical. And it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. So um, I think, you know, the kind of people who listen to this podcast, whether they're here listening live or uh, on the recording or you know, probably all come from different companies, different sizes, different environments, teams of one, all the way up to sort of enterprise type teams. And, you know, I think probably all of us at some point or another have, have run into, you know, discussion about, okay, we, we, we've kind of gotten to a point where we need to be able to scale what we've got in our marketing ops kind of an ecosystem and have to kind of decide, should we continue to do things maybe centralized? Because that's usually where it starts, I think or decentralized um and let's let's maybe talk about this a little bit like when i i kind of have in my head i think what decentralized versus decentralized means in this context but kat what does that mean to you um from 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 that standpoint yeah that's that's a good question um centralized operations will typically mean that you have a dedicated team of highly skilled trained experts on the systems you use, regardless of the system, and they act as a, requ a request processing team. So for example, if we're talking about marketing operations specifically, they will take the requests from different teams, different regions, different departments, lines of businesses, and they will build out the campaigns on their behalf. On the other hand, if we talk about decentralizing operations. We're, we're talking more different departments, different teams across various regions, across various lines of businesses who self-serve, right? So in the first case, it's more of a center of excellence type of process. And in the second one, it's very much so of a, a self-serve. 
Do you, is there is there any kind of hybrid model you've ever seen where maybe there's some of the center of excellence type people who are in other teams, but maybe not part of the core, like the really deep administration part of those systems? Yeah, I think more and more as people are asking themselves, should we keep our operations going the way we are today? Should we start decentralizing? Most companies start off with a centralized model, to be honest with you, because usually you'll start small and start growing. Uh, and as people are starting to ask themselves, is it time for us to start decentralizing? I'll say 98% of the time people will fall in a hybrid model. So either by having a center of excellence in each region or line of business that act sort of as a, a subject matter expert, or by maintaining certain features or certain functionalities centralized and others decentralized. Got it. Yeah. So I think it's interesting in that, um, it, I mean, I think the driver behind this is probably going to be, you know, as is a company growing, right? There's got to be some some mm-hmm. point at which you you do that. But I think so. I think to me, there are at least two components to how you think about this. Right? One is, yeah, are you you know how how big is the company? Are there multiple geographic locations? Global versus, you know, say country specific stuff. Um, but I, but I think you also you hit on something that we may want to talk about too, is yeah there's there's a systems component to it and then there's like mm-hmm. the campaign operations component to it as well. But you know, is there do you have a framework that you think about you know the whole process of deciding through this centralized decentralized hybrid model? Like, is there some way that you think about it or uh, suggestions you have for people? Yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. It's a very tricky question because the honest answer is that there is no one size fits all. It's really about taking a step back and analyzing for yourself, for your team, for your company, what is our best approach, and then crafting a solution that works for everyone, right? Um, I know, well, in the pandemic, a lot of people are listening to podcasts, a lot of people are reading books, uh, have more time to do these kinds of things. And I'm amazed at how many people come up to me and say, I read this amazing book. This guy was able to build his business from the ground up in, you know, whatever, six months. And I'm going to, I'm going to do the same thing. And it, they get surprised or shocked when it doesn't work. That's because most of us think, Oh, let's rinse and repeat something that worked, but they don't take the time to analyze. But does it fit me, my model, my operations, my market? Does it work for us? Right. So I think in the term, in the sense of centralizing and decentralizing, you have to do the same thing. You have to analyze what works for you. What as a company are your goals? How do you get there? And then pick and choose the pieces that will work best for you and your team, not necessarily something that worked for someone else. So long, short answer to a, a long-winded uh, conversation. There is no framework, but there are guidelines. So what, what do you think are some of those guidelines or, you know, I might even call it like mm-hmm. principles, right? Um, yeah. Rather than best practice, I I like to say there's a fallacy of best practice because it it, it has the assumption built in that there's you, know, you take a cookie cutter solution that you used one place and you bring it somewhere else and it almost never works quite the same. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> I, otherwise, I would have been Steve Jobs a long time ago. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I think the first thing that you need to look at is. What initiatives, first of all, where's the company going, right? What are our goals? Most of us have yearly goals. Sometimes you'll have a three-year plan, a 10-year plan, and you start cutting that down to how do we reach those goals? And those usually end up resulting in activities, initiatives, projects, even programs. Once you have that information, you can start looking at 
what is a company-wide initiative? What can I not separate and give to a tiny team or a, a small team that is completely isolated from everybody else, right? Something along the lines, and again, just to stick to marketing operations because it's uh, their waters I'm very comfortable in, things like uh, a nurture, right? You have these personas, you have your target market, your target audience, and then you have a story that you're building through hundreds of pieces of content across multiple streams you can't just give that to one team and say, run with that, just go ahead and get it done and thank you for your help. Uh, they might not have a global vision of everything that you want to achieve and they might start steering the ship in a different direction than the company would like to go. So those kinds of initiatives that really have a global component to it, I would say most likely they should stay centralized to a team that has that global vision, that has access to that information. Things that you can easily decentralized are smaller initiatives that are either local, that are driven by a specific initiative that is part of a team, right? Your product team, they're often doing product announcements. They're probably doing release notes. These are things that are not necessarily part of the global initiative, though they do help reach the goal of the company, right? As you're improving your products, as you're releasing things, but that team is fully capable and knowledgeable enough to run their own operations because they have all the information they need. So I really, I guess it all boils down to what information do you have access to? And is it enough for you to help the company move in the right direction? Hey, everyone, it's Mike Rizzo here, and I'm interrupting your episode to bring you a brief message about, you might have guessed it, Mopsapalooza 2024, our second annual conference held in the vibrant city of Anaheim, California. We're hosting this hybrid event from the 5th of November through the 8th, and we would love for you to join us in person in Anaheim. But if you can't, please join us via live stream, courtesy of our sponsor, Excelibets. We're excited to offer an opportunity for professionals just like you to connect, learn, and grow among the best in the industry. Our event promises to be a highlight of the year, offering invaluable professional development experiences, live workshops, and of course, networking with your peers. Don't miss out on this incredible gathering right next to Disneyland in Southern California. Tickets are going fast. We will cap registration at 700 attendees. Secure your pass by visiting marketingops.com today. And we're looking forward to welcoming you to what is guaranteed to be an unforgettable event. It might just be the best event you've ever attended. But don't take my word for it. You can ask the community at any time. We'll see you there. So let me, I want to play back. So I think what I, what I got out of that was... I think of this model, right? There's the general versus specific. And I think what you're saying is in this case, general doesn't isn't probably the right word, but you know, things that are more organization wide, whether it's global or, or, you know, maybe not fully global, but at least, you know, large organization, things that are kind of going to affect all the different teams and the go to market activities that, you know, there's, there's probably a strong case for the, a lot of that to be centralized still, but mm -hmm. You know the things that are going to be more specific to those. You know, if you've got regional teams or geographic teams or um, industry-focused right uh, teams, that those teams could then kind of within. I assume you mean within certain guidelines, right? Yes. You know, be able to move quickly on their own to support their needs. So, you know, this 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 actually brings up an interesting question. I know you and I have talked about this. Is the notion of 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 trust in the organization? <laughs> Yes. So why, why don't you kind of talk through, I know, like, give, give me your perspective on how important um, 
yeah, trust. Well, first, maybe talk about what, you, what do we mean by trust in this context, and then what you think about is, you know, what's the importance of that in terms of being able to do some of that decentralized operation stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to tackle that topic, uh, I I would first discuss why people centralize their operations because there are benefits and there are pros and cons to both models, centralized and decentralized. The centralizing component brings a certain level of confidence in a highly skilled team that is trained, that is aware of your processes and will follow your brand guidelines, are aware of the laws and legislations according to different countries in terms of communications. So that brings, and I'll use the word trust, a level of trust that you have the right team in the right place to do things the right way as they should be done. When you decentralize, you kind of lose that control, you have to trust that not a small few know, but a lot of people know and are aware. And because the teams could be in different regions, in different lines of businesses, you don't always trust that the information is going to get propagated across everyone. So uh, when it comes to trust, I don't think it's uh, is is my individual competent because that's a whole other topic for another podcast. Oh, yeah. But, I think what we mean by trust is, are we are we going to shoot ourselves in the foot by doing this? Are there, by decentralizing, you increase the risk of mistakes, right? It's the difference between three people doing it and 30 people doing it. It's a tenfold risk of error. Uh, you also lose the capacity to ensure that there's brand consistency. We all have instances, whether it be Marketo, HubSpot, Eloqua, doesn't matter. We all have instances that have old templates in them, things that are outdated. We just didn't take the time to clean it up. And next thing you know, an email goes out and it has the wrong unsubscribe link. It has the wrong footer. It has the wrong logo. And it, you know, small mistakes. Oh, it's, never, ha- never, it's never happened to me. Never. Yeah, never. <laughs> I'm pretty mistakes. sure you just saw the wrong subject line from LinkedIn the other day. I wonder if that was just a template error. <laughs> <laughs> so there, well, there you go. Case in point. Small mistakes are, you know, there are many. And we, we kind of laugh them off. But larger mistakes can be very damaging to your brand in the end. And that's what you're trying to avoid. So... I think a lot of people stay centralized out of fear that these things could happen and therefore the concept of trust comes around. Uh, so yeah, I think that people not necessarily having faith in the process is a big. So, oh, yeah. I don't, was somebody else about to talk? No, I was just saying it's, okay. it's a big factor in the decision-making process. So it's interesting. I, I, I like this kind of, instead of talking about it as trust, it's really, it's, it's kind of brings it back to, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a like how comfortable are you with the risk associated the potentially increased risk with decentralization, right? Uh-huh. Which then begs the question like how do you try to minimize that risk if you're going to go down that path? Um, you know, have have you um, have you seen any organizations that have gone down a decentralized path, you know process where you know, they either did things really well ahead of time to try to reduce the risk potential or didn't do it? Um, like the, I guess with things like training or, you know, certification requirements for people to can have different abilities, things like that. How have you seen that work? Yeah, I've seen a lot of people do it very well and successfully. And it all boils down to processes. Documentation. We are all at fault here. We often put that task aside. We don't document processes. We don't take the time to put things on paper and hand them out. Guardrails 
putting tools and processes in place that prevent this from happening. Um, there are a variety of different tools out there that are collaborative and that have a high level of granularity and access and controls. Leverage those things when you can. And of course, training, invest in your people, right? This, we're only as good as the people working with us. And as a company, I feel like you're only as good as the people working for you. Take the time to invest. Don't just assume that by throwing a, an employee handbook at them, they've gonna, they're going to get it all figured out, right? If it's something upsetting to you, a mistake like this, it's something you should have taken the time to really document and train and follow up on. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I was going down this path at my previous place where we had had everything was centralized, the whole like notion of marketing ops, marketing tech and all that was relatively new at the organization. Um, and I had in my mind, we were going through a number of things to kind of prep for that. One was building out lots of templates, right, within mm -hmm. primarily Marketo in this case, but in the processes that would go with them and, and including like when would you need to engage with the, the center of excellence team. So, um, you know, primarily things around like we didn't really want to give a lot of people access to the contact database because of the risk of, you know, you know, all the different things that could happen uh -huh. with sending out too many, too few emails, you know, potentially sending stuff that could affect our deliverability and our reputation. So we, you know, on top of that, so we were building out, you know, rights kind of stuff within the system. In addition, we were talking about building out kind of our own sort of certification model that enable people to get kind of different levels of control. So the lowest level would be, okay, you're going to be able to, you know, use a template create the email, create landing page, do the basic set, but you could never build the list. You could never do the send, right? Um, and then there were steps up from there all the way to the point where you can now start to kind of build freeform landing pages and stuff like that. Just because I wanted to, I, I, the same process, right? I was thinking risk mitigation. So, uh -huh. Yeah, um, that's actually a really great example of a hybrid model. In the scenario that you described, I would say that the people in charge of maintaining and building that center of excellence, that's a centralized operations model, right? You're a few that are highly qualified. You build these programs and these templates because you know that they're tried, tested, and true. And then you roll them out to a decentralized team where they can leverage it within the guardrails that you put in, as you just described. You can build them. You can't send them out. So that's a beautiful example of a, a model that would actually, in the end, end up being scalable. And yeah. those people with time and with training and expertise and experience can then start having a little bit more of an access and a little bit more of an access until they themselves are extremely comfortable with the tool. And then they can go on and train a different team themselves. Yeah. So we actually, we have a question in the chat here uh, oh, yeah. from Chloe Pott, who's going to be a guest coming up next week. So thank you, Chloe. Um, what, so her question is, what would be the simple places to start if you're currently in a centralized organization and want to make the recommendation to move to uh, decentralized, yeah. You know, what are the what are some of the initial steps, simple steps to get started? Um, Kat, you you mentioned something when we were talking about the trust thing about starting out with like what's what are you trying to accomplish? I think with the idea of decentralization, and I think to me that's probably a very, very fundamental first step. But what you know, what mm -hmm. else would you say is important? 
Yeah, I would uh, I would audit all of the tasks that the centralized team is doing today, right? Put together a list of all of the things and the initiatives that you do for others and as well as for yourself, right? As uh, you probably have goals from your boss and goals from the company. And then start looking at these tasks and start assigning a value to them in terms of, is this a company-wide initiative? Do Would other teams have the global vision required to do these tasks well? Or does this need to stay with us because we need that global vision, right? We can go back to things like a lead life cycle. You can't build a lead life cycle by department. I mean, you could technically, you shouldn't, but you could, if you don't have a good relationship with sales, right? Mm -hmm. It's an iterative process. You need to get the feedback from sales. You need to adjust your model. You need to go back in and check. If it's decentralized, it becomes very chaotic and very complicated to keep track of that. So that I would say is something you would maintain in your central operations system. Whereas other things like building webinars, right? If each region or line of business or product uh, they have their own webinars. It's a very, I like to call them rinse and repeat tasks. It just, it's the same thing over and over again. That could be decentralized with proper training, with proper tools, proper templates and guardrails and QA. Oh, proper QA process. <laughs> so yeah, that's where I would start. Just, uh, analyzing the list of tasks and then start assigning, uh, a, a potential for decentralization based on can another team do this efficiently? I hope that answers your question, Chloe. Yeah, Chloe, just pop in the chat if you if if you want to ask any follow ups. But yeah, I, I think um, yeah, okay, thanks, Chloe. Um, yeah, I love the I love this because I think that's a really important thing. I, I like the idea of, uh, and in fact, it's it, it it overlaps a little bit with what we're going to be talking to Chloe about next week, which is sort of tech stack on it, right? More on the, mm-hmm. the tech side, but this is almost like these are the activities that the marketing ops team is doing. And we're going to look at them across a couple of different dimensions to make an assessment of which ones would be the most likely for us to be able to push out to other teams that maybe are less, you know, less in the weeds. I was going to say less competent, Mm -hmm. but that's not really the thing, right? Less in the, in the, in the details of the systems and things like that. Um, Which kind of brings me to another, another uh, question that I think a lot of people would have, which is, yeah, I think a lot of what we've all referenced as we talked about decentralizing is really kind of falls under what I would call the campaign operations, or you know, I might call it the te- support of the tactical go-to-market activity, the highly visible stuff, right? Building out emails, building out, um, you know, helping with the you know the tracking for ads that are driving activity, things like that. Yeah, are there are there so yeah, are there certain parts of you know, I guess kind of the world of marketing ops, whether it's a you know. The, the tech admin part of it all the way over to the campaign kind of operations pieces that you think. Yeah. I, I sense that there's probably like more likely you're going to do more on the campaign ops because it's probably where you're interacting with more people and different teams more, but is there, is there an opportunity you think to start to, to move, the, move more of the other stuff as you get closer to the, you know, the really under the hood stuff to other teams as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think there is. But again, it really does boil down to what your objectives and initiatives as an organization is and how you're structured, right? I'm a big fan of decentralizing as much as possible. I think you hire people because they're a subject matter expert in a specific area, and you want to make sure that you leverage them to the best of their potential. Uh, a, A certified expert on any system knows that system inside out, and they can help your company grow by making the best out of that system. And by doing repetitive tasks day in, day out for other people, 
is not putting them in their best seat. It's and it's, it gets frustrating. It gets frustrating for the person who gets hired because they feel like they're just, you know, plugging away at their computer and not really bringing value. It's frustrating to the people who are waiting in line in the request because they're like, I asked you for this five days ago. Why didn't I get it? And you're like, well, you are also number 23 on my list. So I will get to you. (laughs) I'll get to you when I get to you. I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go do it in MailChimp. I can build an email in in 20 I've heard that so many times. I've heard that so many times. And actually that's one of the reasons uh, we started this whole journey and I started getting very into structuring operations the proper way we've we've i've heard of people where they would actually just go into the one system let's say marketo system and download the list of leads and then just bring it over to mailchimp and go to town and i would sit there crying because it is i mean it's a violation of so many laws it's a violation of data privacy it's there's just yeah um But all that to say, it's so scary. <laughs> but all that to say, I think there is room to decentralize in every team, on every system, and in every process, as long as you set your people up for success. And I think that's the main driving point that I want to make today: is decentralizing is amazing. Trust your people, put in the right processes and guardrails, but also don't set them up for failure. decentralizing for the the sake of decentralizing, saying, well, my people don't have time. I need to push everything out the door so that they have time. Great. You want your stars to shine in their system, but not at the cost of another team or the cost of potentially missing out on revenue, damaging your brand, having people leave because they're just all of a sudden they're like, I, what, what you threw this at me and I can't, no, no. So it's a very important piece of the puzzle decentralize as much as you can make sure that it's in line with your company objectives, but set everybody up for success. Yeah. You know, I, I, as you were describing that kind of, that's the core essence of like what you need in terms of like culture. I, I, because I'm in Dallas and, you know, Southwest airlines, I think is well known for, they, they push so much autonomy and authority out to the people who are customer facing kind of across all the different parts of the, the business that they're able to like really do creative things and really serve the customers well. And if you think, yeah, I'm not a big fan of like internal customers, but if you think of it that way, right, the more you can kind of give those people the autonomy and authority with the guidelines about this is how we want you to behave and act and, and, and how we want to make sure that we're avoiding the appropriate risk, but still being, you know, taking appropriate risks. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that becomes um, a part of the brand too, right? Uh, as yeah. as your team is empowered to act on behalf of the brand and with, within guidelines, it suddenly feels a bit more personable. And I don't want to like start stepping into the ethereal discussion of like what brand and personality feels like, but I think like having good guardrails and systems in place, like we've been talking about, um, just makes all the difference. Like it enables your brand to get more reach, and and I think like that message runs true when you're establishing a business for the very first time, right? Like get all your legal documentation in a row and all your ducks lined up so that in the future, should something come up, you, you won't be caught, you know, with your tail between your legs because you didn't set something up at the foundational levels. Right. So establishing all of the foundation to begin with allows you to grow exponentially. You know uh, it's like laying the pipe right for the, for the house and you can actually build on top of it and, I just think we like at Mopro, the mopros.com, a lot of like where my, my thinking on systems and stuff I ended up doing inside of what I call the marketing operations playbook. And, and then I kind of 
I was like, this fits really nicely with the community and like start, people started giving me feedback on it. And I think we have a lot of room to grow. And, and I really like what you were talking about, Michael, on like having a, an internal certification process to like up level your team members based on the systems that your organization uses to give them more control over the platforms that you have within your organization. I think that's a fascinating concept and one that I've certainly never like seen come across, but uh-huh. at the end of the day, like those kinds of control mechanisms will just let your brand and your business, I think, grow exponentially over time. And I, 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 I found it interesting, Catherine, that you referred to that as like kind of a hybrid model. I guess you're right. Like it is hybrid in that like someone owns the center of excellence, but you're like, Empowering. Yeah. <laughs> empowering is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> like offshoring people. in quotes, right, to your team and empowering people to do that. Well, and if you think of it like concentric circles about like how much does the center of excellence control, you know, really own, they're the only ones who deal with it. The smaller that gets, right, the more you're able to scale by pushing more of the other stuff out to other people. Um, but I think the, the reason I was going through that thought process where I was is that, um, yeah, I, I you know I, I think in my mind I, I wouldn't have been able to say it until we just had this conversation. Is that I was trying to find ways to do that in a way that made sense to to minimize the risks that were yeah. that were potential with doing that, and at the same time giving people this like, oh, okay, well they really want us to be able to move on our own within you know we call them guardrails or frameworks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I you know it's part of how I operate too. I'm very comfortable with the idea that you know people are going to try to figure out how to get their stuff done if that's what their goals are. Right. And if, if you're a barrier, they're going to go do it another way. And yeah. so that's why you get the people who will go pull a list and use another system. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you get sort of, you get like abuses, right. In some ways from that. And so yeah. I'm, but I'm a big believer, like you not need to be, it's really easy in our roles as marketing ops professionals, I think, to be seen as the, you know, the team of no, right? No, we can't yep. use this. No, we can't do this. And I think the more we can all, this goes into a whole other thing, right? It's like, how do we become more of the enablers where we're partnering with them on figuring out how do we say yes, that gets people moving in the direction that they want to go. It may not be the 100% solution, but it also maybe be, can't be the 100% solution that they wanted because of yeah, legal regulatory requirements or the time it's going to take to build out a list. Like, I mean, how many of us have done this where we've been asked, Oh, we just want to send you know, a list, you know, send an email to our customers. Right. Uh-huh. And in the back <laughs> of my mind going, okay, how many customers are you talking about? Because I know that's a very manual process to go do. Like in most companies you go, okay, I've got to go search for all the different versions of this company name that you want to target then go look at the titles of the people that are in our database and then go, okay, hey, which ones do you want to include and not exclude, right? It's a multiple-step thing and it's not an automated thing. One simple ask is always more complicated than it's Right. Yep. <laughs> and, and Catherine, you um, – oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I was going to say knowledge is power, right? Yeah. Most people just assume that we say no because we are not nice and we are the gatekeepers and will not allow anybody in, but that's not – the case it's because we know yeah. what the repercussions are yeah you, we know legal repercussions we know systems limitations we know that there's actually more more between the lines on your ask most of the times because we've yep. been through it multiple times at least we hope we've been through it multiple times yeah and this is what i was going to bring up just a second ago is um you talked about uh allowing someone who's like really an expert in their system to use it to it to the best of its ability and really like 
um, I like to say like, make it sing, right? Like yes. you're, you're getting the ROI out of it and all those things. Um, and I think, I think you're, I, I think you're onto something there where, or, or it's just like another topic probably for us to, to bring up at some point. But, um, when you have good documentation in place and good systems, um, control, you can start inviting those system experts to be a part of the conversations a little bit earlier. And, and whether that's you as an individual or your manager, hopefully your manager is advocating for you, uh, who is like a systems owner to say like, Hey, you need to bring, uh, Sarah into this call or into this discussion because Sarah can really help guide you on whether or not the thing you're trying to accomplish is feasible in the time frame that you believe it is feasible. In, right. And I just don't think we get enough opportunities to do that. And maybe that's because there isn't enough rigor around like systems management and documentation and process and, and centralization of these things. And so uh, I think you're really onto something there. Like you want those people to be a part of those conversations, but like getting them there is really hard. And I think it's because of this problem of, it is. Talking about today, right? Yeah, it is. And uh, and it's funny because this week, uh, one of the Mopro's uh, community person asked me a question and said, what's the best advice you've ever gotten from a boss? And I said, I like that question. I love that question. And it's actually a really interesting conversation in the end. But I said, the best advice I ever got is don't ever forget that behind the processes and the tools, there are people. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. And that's for a multitude of reasons. The first one being, don't ever assume that it's always going to work perfectly because a human put this together. Yeah. A. And B, it's not because a tool can automate something that you should remove the human out of it. Automation is great. Artificial intelligence is powerful, but there's nothing better than a human because we have hearts, we feel, we think, we move in different directions. And I'm always amazed at some of my colleagues all of a sudden will come up and say, I saw the coolest thing today. Somebody built this and this and this and that, and it does this. And when it does that, it does this. Like, how cool is that? And we are just awed that somebody thought of that, mm-hmm. right? The creativity that some of these people have, it's absolutely mind boggling. And if you don't give your team a chance to come to the table and say, hey, long line of VPs, I know you have this idea and I know I'm just a little person here, but I think I can help you get there a lot faster because mm-hmm. I know the system. I know what it can do. And so, yeah, I think it's a really great point you bring when you can have these people to the table, right? When you, they have time to actually shine and sing mm-hmm. and then come back to the table and say, now that I'm not doing mindless execution work, I think this is a really great idea that we have and I can help get you there. Yeah. yeah well, you know, it, it, it's reminded me too of, I don't even remember where I've heard it, but I think I've heard it from multiple like um, self-help type people who talk so much about having discipline and habits that take out the day-to-day decisions of, I mean, to the point like Steve Jobs, right? Always wore the same turtleneck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I just told then, my wife, I'm going to buy the same color shirt and pants from now on so that I can be more efficient with my time. <laughs> I just said that to her two days ago. <laughs> so, so I mean, but I mean, maybe not, but I think the discipline of like, if we all got better about the discipline of making sure we were thinking about documenting stuff early and often on, on these core things so that we then have the things to, to, to go back and have the conversations and help educate the others so that when we want to start to, to have those conversations, we, we have, I don't even want to say data, but we have like, here's why, when you asked me to build a list of customers in this industry, that it's not a 15 minute thing, it's a 15 day thing. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's not because, and it's not just me, right? It's because we're going to be going back and forth multiple times. Yeah. Too. I want to, yeah. um, I, I'd love to ask this question. It's one of my favorite questions and I don't, I don't think we've asked it of every guest yet, but, um, we talked, we touched on certification a couple of different ways today. Um, Kat, I would love your, and I revealed that at our very first episode, right? Like I, I want to create this community. I want this community to help us create the very first marketing ops certification, like at large, uh-huh. that's not specific to, you know, a, a technology, right? It's great that you know how to use Marketo or HubSpot or whatever. Um, but like, it, it's so much more than that. And we've of talked course. about that in so many different ways today. Um, what would you say it means to be like a certified marketing ops professional? Oh, that's a very loaded question. <laughs> I would, whew, that's a good one. I would say, honestly, you're right. It's not about the tool. It is not about the tool. Tools are meant to help you achieve your goal and to support a process. So I'll say it's about being able to have that vision from a marketing standpoint on where you want to drive your company, right? We all have goals. And it doesn't matter what you sell, products, services, what industry you're in, it doesn't matter. We could be talking about Southwest Airlines, we could be talking about Walmart. The company has a goal. Most likely, it's numbers driven. It's revenue driven. Great. How do we get there? Well, here's the things that we can do. Perfect. Now, from the sales standpoint, how do we get there? From the product standpoint, how would we get there? And from the marketing standpoint, how do we help you get there? To yeah. be able to have that vision and then put that down into actionable items or processes and then say, based on what we need to do, let's go get the tools that we need to support all of this, right? We know where we want to go. We're, we're at point A. We need to get to point B. We know how we want to get there. Let's get the tools to, to make it happen. So for me, and it's, it's the toughest thing to certify if you're asking me because it's so... Mm subjective, but that ability to what I'll say to write a document that will a specification, you basically are able to write a specification on how to move your company forward with their goals from a marketing standpoint, understanding your own business, understanding your competitors, understanding the market in which you're operating. What's our best goal? It's not always emails. Maybe it's ads, maybe it might even be paid radio ads because it's possible that the target market you're going for, they're all sitting in their car at five o'clock with the radio on. If -hmm. you know that, if you're able to show that, then you're, you've got yourself a marketing pro. You've got yourself somebody who took the time to understand the market. Yeah. I think uh, it's a, I feel like you sort of like opened up my skull and like, like peeked, peeked into my brain, <laughs> and like started to say all the words that are in my head. I love that. I love that you talked about uh, cross cross team agreements. Yeah. Right. Uh, collaborating with sales and, and, and maybe client success, whoever it is that your organization has getting buy-in from everybody on that. And then my favorite part of this whole thing is that you said like, it's, it's a document, right? It's some kind of uh, collateral, some output. Um, and I think, I think we're, I'm not going to reveal any more than that, but we're headed into this path of, you're right. It is specific to every organization. So it's going to be tremendously difficult. Um, but I think we can get there and I, I really I appreciate so. that answer. I that think was very so. Thoughtful. And I strung uh, it on you. <laughs> no, that's okay. You know, for those who know me, I actually, I have a bachelor's of psychology. I love all things that are human and mind and I'm, I'm fascinating. Michael and I were just talking about 
creativity. And I was saying that I don't have the artistic creativity. Uh, my sister got that. I got the numbers and the processes and the analytical thinking. So I love these questions. They, they oh, just, good. They feel I'm glad me. it didn't scare you. <laughs> no. All right, Mike. So duly noted, we have we have a, a question that for all of our guests that we'll we'll now ask or something oh, something okay. like that. I've got yeah, we could ask something like that. Who knows? <laughs> no, no. But I, I mean. In fact, we may want to just have a conversation about that at some point because I have lots of opinion, opinions about that that I'm going to keep for now because <laughs> we don't have that time. It'll be a uh, you and me episode only. We could do that. <laughs> That'd be fun. Um, it'd be interesting to see if, like, if we do it sight unseen, see if we actually agree or not. Oh, <laughs> that would be, be a little easy. Um, so okay, so let's kind of tie back to where we started on, on yes. centralization, decentralization. So. Uh-huh. We've talked, I think we've talked – I'd like to cover two things at the end before, you, Kat, before we go. And One is we've talked a lot about like the kinds of things that we think are right to decentralize versus not. We've talked about what's the, like, what are the things you probably need to have in place, whether it's culture or whatever, people. What we haven't really talked about is what, do you, like, what are signs you shouldn't decentralize um, any part of the function. And then maybe you – know, and then – you know, maybe tools that you know that are out there that would help in decentralization for those people who are maybe less technical with the, some of the systems. Yeah, I think signs that you're not necessarily ready to decentralize um, when your team wears multiple hats, right? I, I started in a startup. We had multiple hats. I was a project manager. I was a consultant. I did a little bit of HR. I did. I think when your role is not very clearly defined or is a little more fluid, that's not, it's probably not the right time to decentralize because you wouldn't even know where to begin or which tasks. And the fact that you kind of cross over into multiple departments, it makes it hard to try and and make it efficient. So I'll say that's probably one of the only flags I could say. Most people are ready to decentralize, at least to a certain extent. And again, I'm going to go back to what I said before. Just do it wisely and do it in a way that sets everybody up for success. Decentralizing for the sake of just throwing work somewhere else is not going to set anybody up for success. In terms of tools, well, obviously, I'm extremely biased. Uh, I've been working in Marketo for seven years. We've built a whole tool around it to help decentralize operations. Um, so I'm obviously going to say, you know, a tool like Jetto is a great tool to have because it does enable your different departments, but it does offer the guardrails that you want to maintain. Collaborative tools, anything where you can collaborate, centralize information, document, right? Tools like just Google Drive, where you can have a repository of all your processes. Tools like uh, project management software, where you can assign tasks, put comments and all of that. Um, there are so many out there. Just make sure that you pick the tool that suits your needs best. Awesome. Oh, sorry. Oh, is that our time to go? <laughs> I'm sure the whole world heard my dog earlier and my children crying. You know, it's all right. It's a live show. Uh, it is. You know yeah. what? Such is life these days. <laughs> Welcome right. to real life. So, uh, let me. I just. I. I think there were a number of things that I picked up that I just want to recap. So, I love the idea of doing that sort of like the process audit and is in assessing like the the I think the global versus local kind of ability to to manage it and you know the the like the amount of change it would require 
I, I love the idea that we've talked about, about defining what it is you want to do. Like, what's the purpose of decentralizing? So, you know, like we're going to focus on the things because I think we all get, it's easy to go, oh, let's just do it all. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. I think if you are focused on, this is the part we're going to do, we're going to learn from it. We're going to see if we can do more. Um, so it's maybe part of an evolution. And then, you know, this last one of make sure you've got documentation, that's an enabler for it. I mean, so much good stuff today. Anything else? Like, did I miss any big key points, Mike or Kat? I don't think so. I I think it's been incredibly insightful um, to hear from you. And and I hope that the audience that listens to this afterwards and those that were here today um, really took some notes and just like got their brain juices flowing on a Friday. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, I'm not going to think about this all weekend, but (laughs) yeah, Uh, but we, I really appreciate it. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Mike. Yeah. So (laughs) awesome. Well, uh, if there's, if there's nothing else, I think we'll, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here, but Kat, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. Thanks for being here. Um, Kat, um, where can people find you online, follow you, whatever, what's the best place? Yes, thank you. Uh, they can definitely find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm not hard to find. My last name is pretty unique, so <laughs> no doubts everybody will find me. I'm always available by email. I'm in the Mo Pros Slack uh, Slack space, so you can find me there as well. Uh, yeah, it was a really lovely to be here today. Thank you, guys, so much for having me. It's a it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. You. Thank you. So everyone else who is here uh, listening live and asking questions and those of you who are going to listen to this on the recording, thank you so much for being part of the community and joining us. Please keep track of this register to, to follow uh, the show. So you get notified of when we go live new ones, or if you want to follow the recordings, um, you can also just go to the slash opscast. So T H E M O P R O S slash O P S. C-A-S-T, and you can always keep track of uh, where that will be. And feel free to drop us messages. I find, you know, Mike or I could be found on uh, LinkedIn or other places, and you can shoot us ideas for topics that you want to hear us cover. If you wanted to ask follow-up questions, we're more than happy to do it. So until next time, there is another another episode coming up next week on uh, the 6th, I believe, episode 8. So we're looking forward to that about doing uh, a MarTech audit. So it's going to be a good one as well. With that, Kat, Mike, thank you, everyone who's joined. Appreciate it. Thanks, everybody. Until next time. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend.